The following podcast contains scenes that some listeners might find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. Kansas City, Missouri, Christmas Eve, 1985. Bob Haskell was strolling the aisles at Toys R Us, looking for a Christmas gift for his eight-year-old son, Tommy. Bob was a large man, tipping the scales at over 400 pounds. He was morbidly obese and prone to sweating heavily. Middle-aged and balding, with thick Coke bottle glasses and a massive stomach which always seemed to be on the verge of bursting out of his dress shirt. His son had asked Santa for Optimus Prime, the fictional leader of the Autobots, an extraterrestrial species of sentient transforming robotic lifeforms. Prime could transform from an 18-wheeler semi-truck into robot superhero. Every child wanted one. Bob had been to Kmart, Sears, Walmart, and now Toys R Us, looking for the ever-elusive Optimus Prime. The store would be closing soon, and Bob couldn't find the damned robot action figure. He had asked a scruffy-looking employee who had gone in the back to look for it, but never returned. The shelves of the store were stacked to the ceiling with action figures from the G.I. Joe, Masters of the Universe, and Star Wars toy franchises. Supersized playsets and vehicles, including the mythical, gargantuan, mega-sized G.I. Joe aircraft carrier, the USS Flag, the holy grail of childhood toys in the jingoistic 1980s. Exhausted, Bob had left an emergency school board meeting earlier about the threats of Satanism and stranger danger. The meeting had ended with a group prayer. During the 1980s, parents were hysterical with fear that potential pedophiles were everywhere. Bob was the principal of his local elementary school, a deacon at his church, and a conservative Republican. Haskell idolized President Ronald Reagan and televangelist Jerry Falwell. He was also a man with a dark secret. Bob, you see, was a pedophile. From a very early age, Bob had had dark urges, sick and unspeakable desires. As he waited on the dirty hippie to return from the stockroom in the back, he fantasized about luring a child into the restroom and sexually abusing him in one of the stalls. No one suspected Bob's true nature, not even his own family. It was lonely being a depraved predator of children. Bob could never share his dark secret with his friends or family. He salivated over young boys and believed they weren't as innocent as they seemed. He always thought they were trying to seduce him, especially the ones from school and church. He had molested dozens of them, and no one suspected a thing. He was supposed to protect children from danger, and yet he was the danger. Of course, he swore he would kill anyone who harmed his two precious boys. It was always different when it was your own kids. It was nearly closing time and the Toys R Us was eerily deserted. Hungry Like the Wolf by Duran Duran was playing over the PA. Bob had given up on the store clerk finding Optimus Prime. The dopehead must have run off to smoke marijuana. Bob hated pot smokers and their degenerate lifestyles. Before leaving the store, Bob realized he needed to use the restroom. As he walked to the back of the store, he had the feeling he was being watched. Eyes were on him, unseen eyes, 
hiding amongst the toys. Bob heard strange, disembodied voices, laughter, gurgling, unintelligible mumbling like baby talk. He stopped, looked around, and listened intently for a moment. All evening, he had a foreboding and general sense of dread. Bob Haskell had a sickening feeling in the pit of his stomach that something was out to get him. Was it all a setup? Were the police about to arrest him? He was a godly man and very respected in his community. His wife would never accept his unusual lifestyle, and the conversation with his kids would be very awkward. He would never see them again. Worse, how could he survive in prison with all those criminals and murderers, those sinners? In the restroom, Bob sat on the toilet reading a newspaper, the Kansas City Star. He heard another strange noise, an unsettling clicking sound or chattering. Under the door, he saw the hand of a tiny creature. It crawled inside the stall and stared up at him. The thing blinked and tilted its head. It stood roughly about one foot tall and was naked and hairless. The tiny man glared at Bob with monochromatic black eyes, black eyes of pure evil. The atrocious creature had razor-sharp, piranha-like teeth. It looked like one of those weird, hairless cats with leathery skin and human features. It was hideous, deformed, and undeniably demonic in Bob's mind. It reminded Bob of a picture of an aborted fetus he had seen once at church. A life stolen by baby-killing doctors and liberal whores. Involuntarily, a scream rose in Bob's throat. A howl of pure horror. Repulsed, he lifted his foot and stomped on the tiny creature, which gave off an inhuman shriek as the full impact of Bob's enormous foot came down on top of it. Mortally wounded, the minuscule humanoid twitched for a moment then perished. Its broken body twisted and mangled. As Bob tried staggering to his feet, he heard movement and commotion all around him. The tiny men, what the alchemists called homunculi, poured from the air vents on the floor, from the ceiling above, and even from behind the toilet where he sat. There were dozens of them, maybe hundreds. They giggled like demented little gremlins. They had been watching Bob all this time, waiting. They hollered at him in unison. Then they lunged. The snarling and drooling multitude of tiny men swarmed over Bob like maggots on rotting meat, encasing him in a ravenous horde of teeth and bites. Bob was the beetle suffocating in an army of hungry ants. With a stunning ferocity, the creature savagely burrowed into every exposed orifice on his body. His eyes, his mouth, nostrils, even his rectum as something from inside the toilet entered his anus. Biting and tearing and eviscerating his innards, Bob Haskell had never experienced suffering like this. Bob was defenseless against the attack. He couldn't scream, couldn't breathe. His insides were being torn apart. He clawed at his own stomach and tore his shirt open. Something inside began to move underneath the skin of his humongous belly. A small, bloody hand reached out of Bob's stomach. His abdomen suddenly burst wide open as an infestation of tiny mint spilled out onto the floor and a bloody sea of flesh and intestines. Bob Haskell was dead. The homunculi horde feasted upon the sexual predator's bloated corpse, 
reducing his body mass down from 402 pounds to a mere 57 pounds of skeletonized gore. The door to the restroom swung open and a man entered. It was the same scruffy-looking store clerk from earlier, now dressed in a long black cloak. The homunculi, covered in the blood and matter of a dead pedophile, greeted their master. He smiled lovingly at his minions. He was truly proud of his creations. He picked up one of his tiny creatures and began speaking baby talk to it. The infant-sized creature returned the gesture by cuddling affectionately with its progenitor. Christmas was a time for family. It was the most wonderful time of the year. Spooky? Do you think I'm spooky? I told my mom I thought I saw a werewolf. And my mom believed me. I like them putting chemicals in the water that turn the friggin' frogs gay! Serious crap! You think these people were eaten? My dog stepped on a bee. Unidentified flying objects. I think that fits the description pretty well. Haunted human remains. He's dead. But he has the power to move and kill. She was bludgeoned to death with an axe. <laughs> A giant hairy creature, part ape, part man. When I stand on the mountain and I say, do it, it gets done. If it don't get done, then I'll move on it. And that's the last thing in the world you want me to do. And this is the Spookies Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>